Welcome to Minor Dilemmas, relieving the roadblocks of parenting your teen. Joining us again is our host, Lauren Blackwolf. Welcome back, parents, caretakers, family, and friends to Minor Dilemmas. I want to jump right in to the dawn of adolescence, where we first began to notice our wee ones were suddenly not so little people we may not recognize anymore. Adolescence, what is it? What is the big deal? And why are you and your teen freaking out? Um, Okay, it really isn't that bad until it is. Be they male or female, some real shifting is going on in that developing brain of theirs. Everyone marks adolescence with the pubescent clinical description of said development stage as, you know, little Johnny in the process of developing from a child into an adult. The World Health Organization defines an adolescent as any person between the ages of 10 and 19. This age range falls within whose definition of young people, which refers to individuals between the ages again of 10 and 24, coming from Britannica.com. So let's get a couple of things straight. Neuroscientists, among others, have come out in recent years describing that the maturity of a human brain does not fully develop until age 25. There's a link below of an interview on NPR with such neuro researchers' findings on this very topic. Tony Cox and Sandra Amet are authors of a book called Welcome to Your Child's Brain, How the Mind Grows from Conception to College. In this book, they describe the research they did together in understanding how we as humans don't fully mature until we're 25. Other researchers then ran with this concept, added that the other outside extenuating factors, i.e. abuse, trauma, learning disabilities, can stretch this maturing all the way out to 28. And you're probably thinking, oh crap, really? Yeah. Really? It's interesting that the whole reason this came up was because insurance agencies first noticed that while young people were considered adults at 18, their driving habits are what were cause for concern in determining who was at a greater risk for higher incidents of accidents. Thus, the need to increase certain age groups for higher insurance premiums. This caught researchers' attention, and they went to work trying to figure out why. Confirming what said insurance agencies already knew, Young people didn't seem to know no better until around 25. So when you look at your teenager, you have to be realistic in that even at 24, they're still not fully cooked. I'm, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but they really aren't. And if they have had trauma that could cause some damage in the prefrontal cortex of reasoning, that can reset their development by years Teenagers may have the capacity for language, all kinds of colorful language. Um, they may look physically developed. My niece and nephew were giants at 14 and 15. They looked 21, but their brains weren't done cooking. And you have to recognize that an adolescent is not moody all of the time because of hormones alone. Yes, that plays a role in things, obviously, but especially those first couple of years, whether they are cognizant of it or not, there is a real sense of grief occurring. Again, they may not be cognizant of this. A great movie I recommend to all who need visuals or just, you know, like movies better than books, uh, is Wide Awake. It's an older flick made in 1998 and directed by M. Night Sh uh, Shyamalan. This movie can be found and needs to be seen. I, I think you can still buy it on DVD on Amazon, but it is the best descriptor of that moment in a time where a kid realizes magical thinking is a thing of the past. 
this dying, if you will, is spoken about. And childhood's end is a real process of grief. And it's a time where we as society begin to acknowledge that. Perhaps giving these young people a break isn't such an odd idea. What is such a double-edged sword in all this is on the front end of adolescence, you have the grieving, again, which might not be aware in your young person's mind, and the simultaneous desire to stretch new freedoms. I'm older, I'm stronger, I'm bigger, I can I can do and I should be doing more things. I can't wait to grow up and drive. I can't wait to get out, party with all my friends. And this is especially true if you have, you know, younger and older teens, there's a drive to grow up even faster and catch up with their siblings who are doing all this stuff. And what these younger teens don't know is that you've got the grief coming in and the anxiety going out. And what do I mean by this? Do you not remember that moment when one minute you're all excited about getting your driver's license and then realizing, wait, I'm driving to work, you know, that first job and the working of that first job leads to other thoughts. Oh shit. I only have X amount of years left. One day I'll have to support myself. And maybe some teens walk into their homes with a whole different perspective after having experienced that moment. How did my parents accumulate all of this, pay for a car, pay for this house, pay for the food, pay for me, it can be a bit daunting. Now, some young people are like, whatever, that all, they don't even think about it. That's something that just all gets sorted out when you become an adult, when you're out on your own in college or after college. And for others, uh, it may seem like a daunting task that depression, anxiety, you name it. That's when that kind of thinking can lead to all those things and can set in. And what always bugged me is this idea that if your teen's grades started to slide or their hygiene wasn't up to par or their friends drastically changed, they must be on drugs. Where is the frying pan and the egg to smash it when you need it? Oh my God, let's take a breath and a moment to think this through. I will be the first to say, if you think, you know, yeah, sure, your 12-year-old is too young to start drugs, you know, you, you better get a reality check. You may have the most darling 12-year-old but they are exposed to drugs. If you don't believe me, you might be wearing blinders. Drugs are everywhere. They are in middle schools and elementary schools. This can be especially true if they live in a household where a parent enjoys, you know, the occasional gummy, you know, or is, let's just face it, a pothead because let's look at the new laws that have been put in place. Pot is now legal. And now don't get your bridges all up in a bunch. And this will be a subject for a whole other podcast. And just because your household might be one of those gummy loving households doesn't mean your kid is going to go down some deep, dark road. And that's not what I'm saying. It's only a possibility that such grown habits trickle down to your kids. And what you may see as controllable in your eyes, you are not your kid and your kids might go down a different path. You must consider all of these things. Your older teen may be looking around themselves feeling a bit overwhelmed in any given moment and the desire to flee and find relief from the burdens of adult life might get real. So what does one do when these triggers might set in? Does this mean they will set in? No. But if they do, do your due diligence first before you jump on the you must be high train. Trust is where it starts. And I'm not talking about just blindly trusting any old thing, but you developing trust with your son or daughter is the key, not necessarily the other way around. It is well known that what you do, the environment you create early in their lives, will determine the foundation of their development. So if you have, as a parent, 
taught your kid that he or she can come to you with anything that needs to be reiterated now. This does not mean you just say the words. You have to you have to follow through with your promise that they can come to you with anything and you will be gracious not to punish them for every little thing. You must learn now to choose your battles. What does this look like? At this stage in the game, you are the bricklayer. You are the one who is either approachable or not. And what is approachable? A parent who is approachable, regardless of how tired they are, when that kid is staring down or their body language seems off, you stop and ask, hey, how you doing? It's that simple. A kid isn't always comfortable starting a conversation. You are the adult. You are the more mature one. And down the road, when things may seem out of hand, it may dawn on you. Maybe I should have checked in earlier, but it's never too late. But now is the time, if you have that fresh teen, to to start asking this on a regular basis. Not in a helicopter way, not all day, every day, but that pacing, that quiet mode that they go into, that's your cue. Just see them. Listen. Listen to what they are really saying. You know your kid better than anyone. You know their codes and cues. Now is the time to trust your gut. Something I learned a while back. If you feel like your son is holding back and wants to talk, but just isn't giving you the full story, take him out. Go shoot some hoops. Go fishing. You can go to your local pond or just go for a walk. Have him help you with something handy around the house. Have him help you paint something or... Go to a local batting cage. Young men tend to start talking when they're doing something. They don't have to look at you. They aren't confronted with eye contact. It's safe. It's a safe venue for them to open up. And when you are doing something, anything together, you get to spend time with them and maybe work on a project or play a sport. It helps them release some energy, focus on something else, and creates a safe environment to just start talking. You have to instigate the conversation. Same with daughters. Get that girl crafting. Have her help you bake something in the kitchen. The more you seem distracted with activity at hand, the more at ease your daughter is going to feel. When there's an environment of a you know laid-back chit-chat, it usually does open the door for deeper conversation. Women in general are known for this kind of banter, and it can be recreated between mothers and daughters, and not just our best friends. Who, after all, did we start talking to this way in the first place? Our moms. And if you didn't have these kinds of moments with your mom, that's okay. And this can be something special for you and your daughter today and now. And if you have the distraction of an activity to boot, it's like tapping into their subconscious. It just all comes out. If you create a safe, non-judgmental environment for your young person to talk, your job is only to listen unless they ask for advice. Some of the best conversations come from letting that kid ramble and asking questions like, wow, What did you think about that? And if you have your son or daughters reflect on their own thoughts, it's early training ground for them to go inside and begin to ask those questions themselves. You're teaching them to listen to their own voice versus those of friends. It also teaches them, mom and dad are not going to punish me for every little thing. I can come and talk to them. This is where their trust in you begins. Now, even the greatest foundations need to be recognized that this banter may not last forever. Be realistic. Adolescents have to, they must at some point push you away. They must begin to experiment with separating from you and you being the adult can't take offense to what is a natural 
instinct and process in your teen. In this sense, teens are just a much more complex and larger version of your previous toddler. Only they aren't learning how to walk and run away from you. They're learning to think apart from you and how they learn to think is greatly by your example. If you catastrophize, you teach your teen anxiety. If you judge, you teach your teen to doubt themselves. If you are critical, you teach your teen they aren't worthy. And if you are mocking, you teach your teen that others can do that as well. This is why I say to you, I'm not going to always you know, cushion things. And I'm always going to challenge you with what your part in your teen's development is. One must realize that this stage is so full of crap we didn't have to deal with in our adolescence, just like our parents had no clue what we were going through. Whatever you think is going on with your teenager, it is never too late to start asking and listening. And listening means just that, listening. They deserve the same courtesy we want from time to time just an ear to bend. Teens are like people that way. They are just younger versions of human beings. Just having the feeling that they have someone on their side outside their peers may be the anchor they are seeking until they are their own anchor for themselves. Sometimes it's simply the overwhelm of what is to come that seems so daunting to them. That's a real thing. Just like they are balancing between the loss of childhood and the fear of the future and the simultaneous excitement of being grown, for you, the parent, it is a balancing act of asking, paying attention, listening, offering advice only when asked, and stepping back and stepping forward. You are learning this new dance just like they are. Your issues, if you have them, affect your kid. Just as they were like little antennas when they were babies and would cry more if you were upset when you were holding them, they aren't completely separate from you yet. Kids never really are. And they know you as you know them. Just as you have been watching and listening and paying attention to their every little move, guess what? They have eyes and ears just like you and they have been listening and watching you all of this time. They sense when you are open. They sense when you are angry. They sense everything now more than ever because they are waking up, realizing that they are learning a balancing act just like you in this new territory. This can be a time of joy rather than the all-encompassing labor pains of growth. And I get excited about the teen years because they are old enough to start really digging into the grit of life. You don't have to be so cautious about every little thing that is spoken. They can be included in conversations to a degree when they realize they are being entrusted with the grown-up conversations they were previously ushered into the backyard for because, you know, it seemed too grown for little ears. This is their cue that you trust them, that you see them as the emerging adults that they're becoming. And I get excited when I watch them light up, when they figure out some universal truth or when they have some realization that moves them to action. Are we going to champion our teen or only focus on the negative? It can't all be a bowl of cherries all the time, but it doesn't have to be the fight you may even be facing now. And remember, it is never too late to turn things around. You are the adult after all, right? And how you react affects them just the same as when they were young. The only difference is that now you need to lead by gentle example. So hang in there, stay tuned. Remember to keep laughing, take a moment to breathe, and remember there is always room for hope and healing. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us next time.